All right, guys, thank you for that. And we're here with our community segment of the day. Thomas Watson joining us for today's look at Loaded and Rolling. And I'm just going to give everybody a warning. I feel like this segment's going to get a little bit unhinged today, Thomas, <laughs> because we're talking about some controversy that went on across the X sphere, formerly known as the Twitter sphere, this last week. We have known that there's been conversation about a quote-unquote driver shortage. And I'm going to put it in quotes because the reality depends on who you're talking to, right? And of course, our founder and CEO, Craig Fuller, had a really good take on this driver shortage and what that looks like actually in the industry. Came back with some controversy from the ATA, and there was a little bit of back and forth, leading us at FreightWaves here to now question yesterday, is there a driver shortage or is there a good driver shortage? We're going to talk about some of those myths and truths going on there. From an enterprise standpoint, what are your thoughts? Oh, from a uh, FreightX is the new one, by the way, so it sounds even cooler. But uh, when I worked at an enterprise uh, carrier, when you have 95% plus turnover, it will feel like a shortage because your recruiting department is as large as your operations team. And you have to basically nearly fill your entire pool of drivers every year because after six months, half of the new drivers usually quit. So if you do ask a large carrier, they will say, yes, there is a shortage of available drivers that I need for my business model. But that's not the full story. And Thomas, what does this look like when we start to see that you might put it as winter is coming and we're starting to see some major carriers enact layoffs? How does that all kind of mesh together? Well, you talk about shortages in seated truck count. If you can't meet your goals of the truck count, you have X amount of freight, and you need Y amount of drivers. We'll start to see layoffs if one of two things occurs. You have too many trucks and not enough loads, or you just don't have, you know, you have too many loads not enough trucks, you're still having issues with revenue. You have to balance this. And so small carriers don't understand uh, this and small carriers frequently don't experience this a concept of a, a shortage because for them, I if I have five trucks, you know, if I get a sixth truck and I mess this up, then I may be going out of business. You know, you're operating on the spot market. Typically from my humble expert opinion, if there was a persistent driver shortage of some 80 to 100 and something thousand individuals across the nation, we would not have a situation where we would be uh, in a freight recession and spot rates would be super low. The reason for that is because if you have not enough truckload capacity, your rates will be higher to reflect that. Therefore, when we see this movement on the spot market, we see the, the record numbers of new entrances that came in over the past two years, it's really hard to say that there is a persistent shortage in the space when carriers are still leaving the market now that the boom has turned into a bust. The thing that's really interesting to me about the conversation around a driver shortage is the fact that to establish a shortage, you have to have an established baseline of where the system fluctuates. You have to have an established baseline of where the system works and where the system collapses, right? And freight doesn't happen like that because it fluctuates. It's a moving side of things, both on the carrier side and on the shipper side, right? There's never a standard amount, a set amount of freight that's always going to happen. There's never a set amount of carriers or drivers that are ever going to be in the market. It ebbs and it flows. You can't necessarily establish a, say, 80,000 is that number of shortage because it's not consistent. There's not that baseline, right? What we're looking at really is these larger carriers saying, I simply don't have enough talent to do the job at the level, the standard that I want, right? 
that meaning at the margin where it makes me the most money. I can't have that. So I'm going to say that we're in a shortage. Is that something that we're continuing to see perpetuated is this kind of conversation that we have this fake established baseline that doesn't actually exist in the industry because of the fluidity? Yes, if you're a lobbyist, you need a number to point to. Uh, you know, ATA and OIDA and other large uh, groups are trying to lobby for their members, and ATA typically is larger carriers. Uh, even in their takedown piece for Mr. Fuller, they had mentioned that, oh, you know, it was like a third, a third, and a third almost. Uh, they said, well, a, a third of ours are between 59 to 100, and another third are like over 100 or 1,000. The numbers are still the top 1%. Uh, 95% of all MC numbers in the U.S. are fleets smaller than five power units. So, you know, the, it is a little skewered. But you have to have that to not only try and educate, but also try and cajole regulators to give you uh, whatever your goals are. And ATA and large carriers will typically want to see more regulation. Large carriers are the ones who are pushing for more self-regulation because it's a it's a twofold win. One, it means I usually get to try and dictate what things are going to benefit me. But at the same time, I can also put things that are uh, onerous or hard for smaller carriers to do. Look at hair follicle testing, for example. Look at uh, types of for drug testing. Look at automatic brake limitations, speed limiters. These are things large carriers already have. They just want everyone else to have them. So this is definitely a lobbying thing. When you talk about taking on the driver shortage, you're poking a bear on Capitol Hill. Uh, any any instance where regulators don't feel there is a shortage means that you can run into problems because that really that puts a big hole in the inflatable raft of what you're floating on trying to get things done for your constituents. You know, being at Freight Waves, I, I'm not a lobbyist. I am, uh, you know, paid to be an informative expert. I find information and if I think it's wrong, I say so. So, I mean, Follow the money and follow the incentives. I'm not incentivized to tell you how to think. If you feel, believe there is a shortage or you don't believe a shortage, that's fine with me because I still write a newsletter every Thursday. But if you're the ATA and people start feeling there's not a driver shortage, that can be a real big problem for the organization because that goes against the messaging you've established for the past 20 or 30 years based on the after effects of the Motor Carrier Act of 1980. Thomas, a lot of great points here and really kind of setting the lines of where some interests are and really where the truth really might lie. When we're looking at large carriers. We saw some interesting activity from Knight Swift not too long ago. What does it start to hint towards where the industry might be going? I mean, I would say let's look at Knight Swift in correlation to the uh, purchase by U.S. Express. When we talk about layoffs and stuff, we did know U.S. Express had some other layoffs. Is Knight Swift trimming layoffs because uh, the, the merger between the organizations or if they're both separate? It's not uncommon to see large carriers do layoffs. Uh, what is interesting with this is that it means, at least in my gut feeling, is that they're thinking it's going to be a weaker fourth quarter. You normally don't want to lay off support staff. You don't want to lay off different types of staff company-wide if you feel like your position to be really busy. So that's the one thing I would take that in context. Every few years in the cycle, we see layoffs from large carriers. Heck, I survived like four or five of them when I was at uh, US Express. It does happen because it's really hard, just like a freight brokerage, to manage your fixed cost in terms of people. So looking between the lines for this, part of me feels like if we don't hear about other layoffs, this is an isolated event. It could be related to managing the, the needs of the combined organization. And, you know, sometimes we get it wrong. But if we see other layoffs, then that might tell me that larger carriers are expecting a more uh, bearish approach to Q4. And then that may mean that freight volumes, it'll take a little bit longer before we know for sure 
that uh, the market is in a full upswing. We're seeing some early signs in spot rates. We're seeing like at least it's at the bottom, but positive continuous upward movement. That's still the big question right now. Thomas, thank you so much for being on this morning. I've got to say this was a pretty hinged segment. I, I lied. I thought it was going to be a little bit more in, unhinged. I think it was hinged and full of truth bombs. For more of that, of course, you can find Loaded and Rolling on Tuesday afternoons and subscribe to that newsletter. It comes out on Thursdays. Awesome. Thomas, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We'll be back with more Freight News Now after this quick break.